Okay, so we are joined in conversation by Sandra Parr. Sandra is a Solutions Engineering Manager um, at ClickUp. She's based out of Australia. Um, so uh, Sandra and I got to know each other through the, the wonders of LinkedIn, and uh, namely because she wrote a very uh, nice and practical article um, about designing and implementing a skills matrix within pre-sales organizations. Um, something that's close to our heart, having gone through a similar process, um, building out a competency matrix. Um, so I'm really looking forward to going into depth and talking uh, more about this today, Sandra. Awesome. Nice to see you, John and Isabella, for the first time. Excited to talk about the skills metrics and how we can use it kind of like in our profession and with the hiring as well. Super, super. Okay, so the first question we always ask uh, is a general question, and is... Uh, what do you love about pre-sales? That's a really good question. I feel like it's almost like the best profession that not a lot of people have actually heard about. And you might have heard the sentence before. I feel like there's probably like two things that I really love about pre-sales. I think the first one, it's all about the people. And then the second thing, it's about being creative and finding solutions. So for the people, like as an SE, as a solutions consultant, you're working with different types of reps. You're getting to know different types of people, I guess, internally in an organization, but you're also talking to a lot of customers out there. And like on the rep side as well, you get to figure out like who's a good rep, who's probably like not a good rep on the other side as well. So it's really interesting to work with like different types of people. And then from a being creative side and like finding those solutions out there, I think it's just amazing like seeing how a business is transforming from kind of like their current state into the future state and how you can really help the business to really improve what they're doing on the other side. I feel like almost like the, the third part is like winning deals. I think that's an amazing feeling, to be honest. <laughs> if you've worked in pre-sales and sales before, like winning deals and like getting the feeling of winning, I think that's pretty cool. Excellent, good stuff. So like the, 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 the buzz of the sale, um, making a difference, yeah. <laughs> really kind of adding value and uh, being able to be creative with it. It's a good combination. Definitely. Excellent. Okay. So in terms of the the skills matrix that you have built, um, why did you decide to do that? What's kind of the backstory to that matrix? Yeah. So maybe just like if we take a step back, maybe just a bit of background about me as well. So I've worked in pre-sales for the past kind of like 11 years, um, something like that. I've mostly worked as an IC, kind of like going the ranks up from being a solutions consultant to principal solutions consultant later down the track. I've worked in SaaS companies, like software as a service companies for most of my work life, uh, mostly for startups, to be honest. And I shifted to people management about two years ago. So I would say I'm, I'm probably, probably uh, pretty much still like fresh, I guess, when it comes to management and being a hiring manager, for example, that's like the first time being a ClickUp where I'm actually like a hiring manager and seeing like all of the, I guess, good things, but also challenges that it brings kind of like being a hiring manager at the same time. So in case you haven't heard about ClickUp before, we're a productivity company. It's like a virtual office almost where you can manage all of your work in one place based in Australia. And um, I've got a team of free solutions engineers, basically. So coming back to your question, John, um, with the skills metrics, earlier this year, I've actually attended a pre-sales collective course mm -hmm. for leaders. So there's a specific course that they're offering. It's a two-day training course. It's called Leader Elevate. 
And in there, um, they actually like gave some assignments as part of like um, like going out of the course to create a skills metrics for the team. So while we're kind of like going through the course, um, that was actually based in, in Sydney earlier this year. Um, I realized that we have, have a, like, I would say a basic skills metrics or basic career path at the moment for our teams, but it wasn't super detailed. Uh, I've got a global team of solutions consulting managers that I'm working with as well. And what I realized after like working at ClickUp for like a year and a bit is that every manager has their own opinion when it comes to different skills and what an SE should be doing, I guess, in the role. Uh, so this really sparked my interest and I really wanted to get in front of this and really be more, much more detailed in creating a skills metrics for our global teams um, across ClickUp, uh, basically. So coming out of that training, I really used that as an opportunity for myself to really up-level and really think in much more detail about what it means being an SE in the specific like um, roles that we have. So we've got four different roles of SEs or solutions consultants, uh, ranging from like solutions consultant to senior solutions consultant, uh, strategic solutions consultant, and then principal solutions consultant as well. So it was really crucial to really think much more in detail about what it means and what the skills and competencies are on each of the levels and what the role expectations should be. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like where, where it was mainly coming from. Fantastic. I, I believe it's so, so, so nice that you somehow saw a gap, gap uh, in, in terms of what uh, is the perfect solution engineering looking like. And uh, you, you started to, in a scientifically way, to try to uncover those skills. So yeah. uh, <laughs> so it, it's a great idea. And um, what have been the, the major benefits that you have seen? I think like for me, from a management perspective, I really feel now it's like easier to really assess where my team members and where my ICs are at. Also like for the hiring perspective, and we're also going to talk about this, um, it will be easier to assess what other skills I would need when I'm looking for a new SE compared like to the skills uh, that I currently have in my team. And I think on the flip side as well, because we are a global team and we've got like solutions engineers um, in the US and EMEA, we now all take talking the same language when it comes to the skills and assessing our team members. So it really just makes it easier um, to really like, yeah, have a, a proper career path for our team, but also like talk to my global um, peers about like what, yeah, what the skills we should be having as an SE, basically. I can show you some of the skills metrics that I've set up. I, I, I would love to. Love to <laughs> if you can uh, walk us through, through it, it would be it would be amazing because the first three stages sound like uh, design, right? Correct. Let me actually just give me one moment. I'm just shifting my some things around here on my screen. So <laughs> let me just share my screen. This will be broadcast to the masses, Sandra. You make sure that it's the right screen. <laughs> Definitely. So I think that should be the right desktop. You should be able to see something that's called the SE Skills Metrics yeah. Template. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. So yeah, basically um, on here, if we take a step back, I just talked about the different roles that we have uh, in our team. Um, so we've got the different, like four different um, maturity levels of an SE basically. Um, so what we can see here basically is uh, a career metrics and a skills metrics um, at the same time. So this is really going to go into detail what it means, what the role expectations are for um, the solutions consultants or the solutions engineers, as we call them, in our team. 
And what I've basically set up in the background here, as you can see this, I've got a one pager, but one of the things that I wanted to show you, and that's probably also what my thought process was when I like thought about like setting up the skills metrics. The first part probably of that was what are the different categories that I would assess my team members in? So as an SC, what are the different things or high-level topics, categories that they should be really good at? So a really good SC, in my opinion, should have business acumen because we're working with sales teams. There's like the sales strategy strategy part where they have to move opportunity from one stage to the other. So how do we work with the sales counterparts, I guess, as part of this? But also on the other side, are we asking the right questions during discovery, for example, to really dive deeper into the process of the client and the goals and the challenges of the client and so on. On the other side, as an SC, they should be having technical ability. And in my case, because I'm selling or we're selling a software, basically, I would say it's somewhat like simple compared to some of the more super complex on-premise systems out there, where it's it's a no-code platform with ClickUp. Uh, Mm -hmm. But still, an SC needs to have a technical ability to be able to build their own demos, build their own presentations. And we always talk about having different core use cases in our in our business. Um, so basically, ClickUp could be sold to any department out there. But we've um, as a as a business, we've decided that we have core use cases that we're going after, basically from a product marketing perspective. Then, as an SC, they should be really good with doing presentations and demos. That's one of the core skills, obviously. And on the other side, um, working together with the team, sharing their knowledge as well. That's going to be crucial but also having operational or being operational excellent in their work because they have to document, they have to like track their time as well. So there's this part in there in terms of the expectations that we have for the team members that they should be really good in. And this is kind of like on a high level, I guess, how, how I've been looking into this. I think from a time frame perspective, to give you some ideas, it probably took me around two or three weeks to set up kind of like the initial skills metrics. Mm-hmm. And then I think... What's happened afterwards, because I'm part of a global team, I'm based on APEC, I need to really work with my counterparts around the world uh, and really get their buy-in. Um, so I really needed to chat like to our US um, managers on the other side and really get their buy-in. Is it this, the same thing that they're seeing on their side, I guess, when they're doing demos, when they're doing discovery sessions and working in a sales team? Um, so I think overall, it probably took us around like six weeks um, to set up the, the this new skills metrics. And sometimes I think this could even like take years in other companies, but, but that's probably like, yeah, a very iterative approach to trying something out new that's new and working for a startup definitely allows kind of like those, uh, those cool things and just like, yeah, getting shit done, I would say. <laughs> uh-huh. This is amazing, Sandra. Thank, thank you so much. And um, I, I just wanted to tell you because so you told us that now the entire organization is using it, right? And um considering the fact that it's a global organization do you, do you think there are some differences like cultural differences um that might be applied here or these are you know the core abilities that any pre-sales should have no matter where where is he coming from yeah it's a good question so it's definitely like more ge- we try to keep it very generic and i can show you a little bit of an example i guess what this looks like in more detail in a moment as well but there's always going to be cultural differences uh, because we're part of the APEC team here and how we're selling to Australian customers or Asian customers 
is naturally going to be different selling to US customers or EMEA, like even in parts of EMEA. And I'm uh, uh, originally from uh, Europe as well. I know that like in the different countries, there's different styles on how you have to kind of like sell to different regions as well. We try to keep it really generic with uh, the skills metrics. I'll show you an example of what it actually looks like for the specific detail in here. So I just talked about the high level categories and in total, we're actually looking at 10 different skills basically across those five categories that I just shared with you. And we try to make it as objective, I guess, as possible where uh, we're trying to be generic in terms of the skills that we are expecting from our, uh, from our team members. So for example, when we're looking at business acumen, there are three main categories underneath, which is value selling and sales strategy, objection handling and audience engagement and competitor and industry knowledge. And while some of the competitor knowledge, for example, is going to be different per region because we are seeing different other competitors in our region compared to some of the other regions, we try to, again, make it very generic where we're saying, okay, you have an understanding of the competitive landscape. And when we go down the route of if you are a senior solutions consultant or a strategic solutions consultant, you have a very good understanding of like three or four main competitors in your region, for example. So yeah, there's always going to be like regional differences, but the devil is really in the detail, I would say. Um, and that's what we've kind of like set up with the skills metrics. Yeah, amazing. Uh, thank you so much. And you also told us that you 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 can uh, show show us how you how you actually apply it for for your uh, SC team. So it's like a questionnaire or how how do you actually measure these competencies? Just give me a moment. I'm gonna share my other screen here in a moment as well. Uh, Alrighty. I think you should be able to see my other screen here as well yep. now. Yep. Yep. So again, if we take a step back, now that we've established the skills metrics globally for our teams, what's really going to be crucial is how we operationalize this, right? Like, so with my team members, for example, in my region, I've got monthly sessions where we're actually talking about their individual development plan and the skills metrics and the coaching as part of like that skills metrics is part of that individual development plan conversation that we're having on a monthly basis. And what you can see on the screen is actually an assessment and I'm assessing my team members on a quarterly basis. So on a quarterly basis, I would love to see some improvements in some of the skills that we've identified, both identified from their side, but also my side on what they need, need to be coached on. And just to kind of like take a step back, what you can actually see on my screen as well is ClickUp. That's our own tool. And we, we can actually see we've got a solutions engineer in my team. And obviously, that's just an example. But I just wanted to show you how this could look like. On a quarterly basis, I'm assessing based on the skills metrics that we've seen beforehand, what, the skills, what I believe the skills are of that specific SC that we're looking at here at the moment. And this could be both the SC also like giving a rating on their side and having just a natural conversation, I guess, about like where they believe they are at and where I believe they're at uh, with the skills that they're um, showing and if they're showing progression into the right direction. So you can see here as an example in Q1 earlier this year, this SC was uh, had like the skills that we expect for a solutions engineer, but it's already showing um, the expectations basically for the next level up role higher above. 
And we've got like a global rule in our team, for example, when you're already showing 50 or 60 percentage of the role expectations of the next uh, available role, you have a, a better chance of getting promoted in the next performance lifecycle. That, that is so amazing. Super, super, Sandra. So the, the assessment is based on a conversation, right? Like, Correct. Uh, okay. And it, it's a structured conversation or uh, more, uh, you know? Yeah, it uh, would be very much structured. Like, um, I'm a very structured person. <laughs> like, on the manager and on the hiring manager as well. But yeah, uh, we've got a, a pretty good structure that we're going through for, for the individual development plan where we basically look at, okay, what are your goals for this quarter? What are your longer-term goals as well? And then we basically do a check-in on a monthly basis to see if the SC was able to show that they're progressing in that specific skill and that they're learning new things, for example. I've also set up coaching plans with my team members, and it always depends on where they're at. Um, some team members might be a little bit newer to the pre-sales world, so maybe they need to learn a little bit more about um, sales strategy or doing discovery sessions, for example. I've got someone in my team who's a bit more technical that probably needs to focus on value selling a little bit more. So it always really depends on where they're at in their like um, in their journey of being a pre-sales engineer. And then we basically have a plan in place that we follow and always kind of like come back on a monthly and quarterly basis. Super, super. Thank you so much, Sandra. One of the things that I really like about this is just how specific it is, because um, I think that from a, an individual contributor's perspective, uh, generally people want to learn and develop and improve, um, and also kind of career progression is really important as well. And often career progression feels like it's a bit out of your hands in terms of, you know, when there's an opportunity available and that sort of thing. And, you know, whereas here you're clearly saying, you know, it's it's, it's clearly kind of leaving open the idea that these are the core skills where you need to develop once you've developed on all those levels and we're in agreement that you've that we've that, you know that you're you're at the right level with all of them you're ready for your next promotion so it makes it feel very much in your own hands in terms of in terms of like in terms of career development which i assume is 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 really positive no for for individual contributors and then and then for you great because it gives a lot more structure to, to the conversations um, and you're able to go back to the same things to kind of time and time again. Yeah, I think that's probably been one of the, the, the newest and also like the hardest challenges for me as a new manager, like coming up with like specific coaching plans, like for my team members. Um, if you're working for an organization, which is more like a traditional organization or super corporate or something like that, they might have those plans in place. And they might even have like all of those skills, metrics, and matrices in place as well. But like working for a startup, oftentimes like, yeah, you just have to like set up your own things and like try it out and fail and then make it better um, at the end of the day. Um, so that's probably been one of the hardest challenges as well. But it's also been really, really good because it really allows allowed me to grow a lot um, as a manager. And how's it been in terms of buy-in? Because I imagine this is the sort of thing, maybe I'm being a bit cynical, but I can imagine this is the sort of thing where if you're involved in creating it, if you're involved in the design, you're totally bought into it. But yeah. if it comes to you from up above, up, up on high, as you know, these are the matrix, these are the skills that we're going to follow and so on and so forth, there's less adoption. It's just like a human reaction to things. How how has that been? How how how's the especially in, you know, other parts of the world where you don't have that kind of daily interaction with people? 
Yeah, it's a good point. I think there's probably two parts to this. Like the first part is like getting buy-in from my peers, so my other managers across the world. Yeah. And this really meant like having weekly check-ins with them. And we've got like many kind of like multiple check-ins a week as well. Uh, but yeah, really checking in with them, making sure that we're kind of like um, talking about the same thing, that we're on track. To give you an idea, I probably started out with like 20 different skills initially. And the initial feedback was to really try to simplify it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how I kind of like got buy-in from like all of the other like leaders around the globe as well. And the other part of that is I actually involved like our ICs around the globe as well. So I really talked to a lot of like ICs uh, in the US, in our region as well, to really get their feedback and what, what they would think about like having this new skills metrics in place. Um, and that really helped a lot as well to really get um, get buy-in from, le- uh, from bottom up, uh, basically on the other side as well. Uh, what I've also uh, experienced, and that probably is a general theme as well, since we rolled out the new skills metrics, obviously this comes with change and not everyone's kind of like happy, I guess, with change at the beginning. Uh, but I'm very confident that over time uh, it will make a lot of sense uh, for like those people who are maybe a bit more amended uh, with change. Yeah, it's lucky that you sell SaaS software for a living. Right? <laughs> it's quite, quite a similar process in terms of getting the adoption and so, on, so forth. Definitely. <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. Um, so, you know, where we're especially interested to understand is how this has impacted hiring. Uh, so have you had the chance to use this, the hiring processes, what's worked, what hasn't worked? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I personally ha- haven't had the chance yet to actually use that as part of hiring. Hopefully soon I'm going to be able to hire new SE and I'm going to be able to use that skills metrics um, to look at specific skills that I want to hire in uh, for my next role. If I was to approach, I guess, a new hire, I was thinking about this as well. I would look at the skills of the team that I currently have, and I would ass- I'm would i already assessing the skills of my team, obviously. There could be like um, skills where we talked about this, like technical skills, industry-related skills, um, sales strategy-related skills, for example. And as part of the interview process, I would really try to focus on those skills which are missing in my team at mm-hmm. the moment and would really try to come up with questions as part of the interview process that would really assess the candidates uh, that are applying for the role in those specific areas. Um, So for example, if I was looking for a specific industry expert, I would really look um, for like bringing up specific questions for all of the candidates that I'm hiring or that I'm interviewing basically, and really try to kind of like understand what their their knowledge and what their experience in that specific part of the, the skills would be. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's like a, it's a, it's an anchor to work from. You know, it's an like, anchor, right? Five, yeah, these are the five things that are really important for us. Yeah. And then f- for a specific individual at a specific moment, you might focus on three over the other two because of their circumstances yeah. and their abilities. And when you're hiring the same thing as well, you start off from the base of the five and then from there decide what's important. But then it also anchors you in terms of when you're talking with the recruiting teams to emphasize what's important, when you're designing the interview questions, when you're assessing the candidate and that sort of thing. Yeah, I was even thinking about this, like, for example, like typically in our hiring process, we do um, the hiring manager interview, like I followed our, like uh, beforehand would be like a recruiter interview. Sometimes I'm even taking this over because we don't have any recruiters in our region. So as part of like the last step, we've got the candidates to actually do a panel presentation. And I would even try to focus that topic or the prompt that they have to go through 
based on the skills that I'm assessing and that I'm looking for, where they can kind of like weave that in. So again, if it would be industry experience, I would bring up a specific prompt where they maybe have to demo or do discovery for a specific industry use case, mm -hmm. as an example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would definitely love to use that. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to hire um, soon again. <laughs> One of the things, so we've recently launched, we, we uh, did a big survey uh, and we've launched a report and one of the rec one of the questions we asked was around quality of hire, um, mm -hmm. so measuring. Uh, so basically, looking at the individual at the point of hire across the different competencies or across the different skills in this case, and mm -hmm. then rating that individual at the point of hire, and then uh, I assume that this rating would then happen later on as you go through the quarterly reviews, and then once you've got got up to a certain number of hires, you're able to look back and say, okay, so in terms of the ratings how do the real life ratings compare to the ratings that we made at the point of hire? And it could be, for example, the industry experience, the whole team is doing really well at assessing that, but there could be business acumen where there's a mismatch. And so you're able to go back at your process and say, okay, so in terms of our process, we can be confident we're making good decisions here, but you know, in terms of this area, uh, clearly we're off the market a little bit. And so we need to work out how we can improve the accuracy of the assessment process. Um, and so it enables you to kind of improve the assessment process over time and also to have a good level of accountability as well in the sense of, um, you know, there's there's it's, it's clearly tracking back to what you actually thought at that moment versus what you got six months later, a year later and so on. That's a really cool idea. Like I'm pretty big on reflection. That sounds like a really good reflection task um, to to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's effectively built into it already as well. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. That's a good idea. <laughs> cool. Super, Sandra. So one one last question from from my side. Um, I I really appreciate the fact that you you know you try to bring structure and standardize the uh, the evolution process now, but uh, maybe also the the hiring process as well. So uh, it's almost like common sense to have this type of metrics in any type of organization for pre sales or any other part of the business. Uh, why, why do you think uh, most organizations do not, do not have it? That's a good question. Like even in my previous companies that I worked for, it did, again, I'm working mostly, I was working mostly for startups where we didn't have those things in, in the beginning. It's probably not like the, the highest focus at the, at the time when kind of like building out a startup. We're kind of like going through the different stages um, of like the startups as well, scaling up the startups. I feel like for the traditional companies and I'm looking for you guys as well, it's probably like they already have like some of those like things internally as well, I would say. Not really. <laughs> some, some do. So that's, that's unfair. Some do and some don't. Yeah. <laughs> But, but it's like, yeah, it's probably not the highest focus, right? Uh, there, it's, there aren't many, and especially when it comes to being pre-sale specific. And, and I think what's good here is it's come directly from the pre-sales organization. Um, and I think sometimes not like skills matrix, competencies matrix, the, the, it, it sits a little bit in no man's land. Is this HR that should do this? Is this the business that should do this? Um, and I think that when it's done directly, I, mean, I don't know how much support you have from other parts of the business, which makes sense. But I think coming from within the, the pre-sales organization definitely sounds like a really positive thing for it to have happened. Definitely. I think in an ideal world, you probably want to partner with the people team because in yeah. an ideal world, I think the people or HR team also like going to be setting up those things. Yeah. But again, it really depends on the types of organizations. 
And probably also depends on the people in the organization as well. Like one of my top strengths is like, I'm all just about executing. So yeah. when I got an idea, I'm just all about, I'm going to get this done <laughs> no matter what. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I love it. <laughs> uh, so that's everything from, from my side. Um, I think I pretty much covered um, everything. I'm not very sure. Uh, John, if you have any more questions or Sandra, if you'd like to ask us anything about the, our report or uh, the competency model that we have. Yeah, definitely. Probably just like one last note from my side. If anyone like, wants to have a chat about the skills metrics that I've set up, I'm happy to have a chat. Probably just add me on LinkedIn. I think that would be best. But yeah, I'm also curious to see what you've set up in terms of the skills metrics on your side and how you've also like... I think one of the things that I found the hard, hardest as part of this, like how do you bring the EQ part, like active listening into like the skills metrics, for example, that's a really crucial skill for an SC to have as well. Um, so if you've got something around more like we want to call it soft skills, I guess as part of this, or like the people skills as part of this, that would be interesting. So what we, the, the competency model that we developed, we developed with a company called Sova. So they develop bespoke um, assessments so they'll work with like Deloitte, for example, and they'll interview uh, top performer consultants and basically work out what underlying attributes and abilities a top performing consultant has. Um, and then they then define that into a set of traits. And then from there, you have the, the competencies, which is normally like a combination of different personality traits. So it's very personality focused. The difference from their side, from, from what we did is... So from there, we've built out a description of what things like EQ would be in the context of pre-sales. Um, so we've got like customer centricity or sales acumen, and then what the what the kind of the, the best behaviors would be. Um, but then the assessment itself is based on psychometrics. So that's what's doing the measurement, if that makes sense, as opposed to it being. So I, I think that um, ultimately things like um, things like EQ, for example, it's easy to say why it's important and what the outcomes are and what the behaviors are. What's perhaps more difficult is to kind of measure that, if that makes sense. So it's a bit more sub sub subjective and you're looking for the different proof points. Um, but I think ultimately it has to be subjective to an extent. I don't know, I don't know what you think there. I don't know beyond if there's if there's anything. I mean, sometimes things can't be just reduced down to data, no? Yeah, definitely. I think there's still a little bit of like, yeah, subjectivity in there, as you said. Yeah. But yeah. I'm also curious now to like, I like the idea of like going with kind of like persona traits. Okay. Or like the personas out there. That's interesting as well, definitely. Yeah. Do you find there's a big mismatch between your perception of people across these skills and their own perception? I would say oftentimes, it probably also comes back to like the people I hired. I think like most of the times they're probably pretty spot on with like doing their yeah. own reflection and then what I'm thinking about their skills as well. Yeah. 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 Because I suppose like from a management perspective, the most important thing for you is that you're kind of, again, you're anchoring everything to these skills and competencies. It's a bit like values. You know, you're kind of, you're, you're talking. It's like your core values. Definitely. Exactly. Yeah. So you're talking clearly yeah. about what's important. Yeah. But ultimately, it's down to the individuals. If they don't, unless they buy into it and they look at it from that perspective and they want to be self-reflective, it's not going to happen anyway. You know? yeah. um, so I think that process of helping them 
go through that self-reflection and giving your honest point of view so they can reflect on that as well is probably where it's going to be most powerful. I don't know. Yeah. So I think like um, reflecting back, I definitely brought in a lot of like the people like on my team, they're pretty good with reflecting. Um, what we're doing like on a quarterly basis, we're having like QBRs. Right. Where we're as a team, we're kind of like going through, okay, what's worked well in the last quarter? What didn't work well? And then we're having team meetings where we'll also talk about like our wins, our challenges, um, like each of them as well. So like the re reflection part, that's a big part of like how I'm running the team on, on yeah. my side. Yeah. And then, so to one last point, in terms of hiring, I think it also means that it's really important to hire people that are, that like being self-critical, that are open to that sort of thing, that are open to improvement because... If not, then it's just going to be a slog. Exactly. Uh, what I actually did in the hiring process, like back in the days, I actually added like a feedback session in between. So I gave um, the candidate some feedback on what they presented basically as part of it. And I really wanted to test how they're taking on the feedback in general. And if they're willing to also like change some of the things that I've kind of like um, uh, told them as part of the hiring uh, process as well. Yeah. So I think that's a, that's a good step. That was a good step for me to test out like how willing they're, to like yeah recept receive feedback and like yeah really just like yeah <laughs> be reflective again it's that important okay sandra thank you so much for your time just to emphasize once again so so sandra wrote a really good article uh based a very kind of practical article about how you can implement this uh, kind of sk skills metrics into the organization so i definitely encourage people to to read that um sandra how can people find you on linkedin or elsewhere yeah, I'm probably just looking for my name, Sandra Palm, and then I work at ClickUp at the moment. Um, so yeah, just try to find me there. Uh, that would be best. And then we can probably get in contact like that. So again, I'm happy to have a chat about the skills metrics or anything else that's related to like being a manager. I think especially like for the new managers or high, new hiring managers who are like going through the process at the moment. I definitely learned so many things over the past two years, and I'm happy also to share that uh, with other people as well. Yeah. Thank you so Thanks much, Sandra. So Thank you. Thank you both for having me. It was good. It was a good chat. Thank you so much. Have a good day. It was lovely. Bye -bye. Cheers.